0: Let's go. Welcome to Citizen. We got a great guest today, Eddie Gallagher. Thanks for dressing up.
1: Hey, no problem, man. We're <laughs> my best here for you.
0: I like to see the ink, though. Um, how you been doing? We, it's been two weeks since I've t- talked to you, so I feel like I have
1: Yeah, dude. Uh, it's been good, man. Just been staying busy, you know
0: yeah do you guys uh got anything new going on right now
1: uh yeah uh right well first thing is you know the uh we're rebranding we're sort of revamping the whole fafo uh brand that we got going on so we're breaking apart from nine line and sort of taking it in new directions so we're working on that that should all be coming out next month and then obviously the uh foundation keeps us busy so uh we just got done um helping out, uh, Catherine Arnett, that female, mm-hmm. uh, Marine that was locked up for refusing the vaccine. Um, so that took quite a bit of overtime over the past two weeks. So, yeah. Can you, uh, so I, I've
0: seen that story popping up. Um, can you give us some background on that and kind of what happened? <laughs> sure. So,
1: you know, I had a buddy reach out, uh, my buddy Gio, who was, uh, on my last deployment, um, informed me that this female Marine was in the brig at Miramar, which is where I was locked up at. Uh, they had her, uh, they had her locked up in, uh, Japan first and then transferred her there. So she was, I think detained or locked up for like 113 days. Um, and when we got the notice, she was in solitary confinement, uh, and her mom, nobody has heard from her in a while and the only message that the marine corps gave her mom was she's doing better now she's eating bread and water uh so that was pretty um uh, pretty fucked up you know to, for them to put something out like that so we we ended up uh digging into it seeing what what was really going on and uh basically she had refused the vaccine um she was a you know, I wouldn't say I don't know, stellar Marine, but she had a pretty clean record up to that point. And then there was a uh, trend after she refused the vaccine where they just kept coming after her for little things, pretty much punishing her for not taking the vaccine even after the mandate was uh, lifted. Um, they tried to kick her out of the Marine Corps. She refused. She said she didn't want to leave. So they threw her in the break. Um And so at that point we had gotten involved. We started calling you know, some high ranking officials, uh, people in Congress getting their uh, attention on it. And once the Marine Corps found out that this story was about to blow up, they literally released her out of the brig at like nine at night with nothing, no no clothes. Uh, they'd already taken her pay away, um, no command to really check into, really no directions. They were just like, and eh, you're out. So we stepped in, uh, got her a place to stay in the meantime. <laughs> And then really started planning on what we were going to do going forward. Um, you know, what we found out is, you know, she she had her being locked up for 113 days had really rattled her. Um, you know, she's I think I believe she was 23. Um, so instead of pushing forward in that campaign, we were like, hey, let's put a halt to this and let's get her the help she needs before we really start, like, you know, putting her in the forefront. Um, and I think during that time she came out, of, we, we gave we got her uh, in Balboa which is a Naval hospital there just to get checked out. Um, and then she came out of there and she was like, Hey, I want to take this on my own. Um, I appreciate your help. Um, and you know, I'm not going to need your guys help going forward. And so that's all we really could do. We're like, okay, you sure? She's like, yeah. So we were like, all right, you know, good luck going forward. Uh, we put a message out, I believe last week that we are no longer, um, behind her. I mean, we, we still are supporting her, you know, but the pipe hitter foundation is no longer, uh, running her campaign so she she decided to take it on her own but in the end we're glad that uh we did what we did got her out of the brig, we brought attention to it and uh, hopefully she ends up um in good hands
0: yeah the latest i heard was that um <clears throat> she's going to be processed for a uh general discharge under honorable conditions but um which doesn't sound that bad but the reality of that situation is she you lose education but you lose you, you lose the gi bill under those circumstances, oh yeah. So yeah. this this woman who's uh, and oh by the way, the Marine Corps dropped all, every single charge against her. There are no charges against her. They're just going to give her a general discharge, take her benefits away after imprisoning her for a third of a year and uh, not paying her the money for serving her country. I mean, it's uh, this this is this is probably so far as I can tell. I don't, maybe, maybe there are other examples that I haven't seen, but this is the most egregious version of of the military trying to enforce this stupid COVID bullshit.
1: Yeah, of course, it's all, you know, it's a fear-based um, tactic that they And, You know, they use her as an example. She let everybody else know if you do not conform, this is what's going to happen to you. And we will not only take your pay away, but, you know, ruin your career. And, you know, the, the once that happens and the ability to bounce back from that once you get out, is it's a tough road. Uh, so, I mean, I'm hoping that she gets the help that she needs and that she has good people around her supporting her. Mm. Yeah.
0: That's pretty wild, man.
1: It is. It's uh, you know, and it's it's nothing new though. I mean, obviously we we uh found all that out when when I was going through my ordeal, just how that system works. That is a corrupt and broken system, and it just seems like there's no accountability. Um, uh, and that, you know, obviously we've seen that over the years from the top military leadership. Um, uh, they it's rules for thee, but not for me. And they literally will do and say anything uh, to demonize somebody who stands up to their beliefs. So, you know, the best we can do is sit there and, and, you know, help these, each of these individuals who are being punished in some form or fashion by the UCMJ unjustly punished. And, you know, it's uh there's a lot of people out there, you know, we're a small organization, but we do our due diligence to help out everybody, uh, when they, when they fill out a grant. So.
0: Mm. Yeah. It's really disappointing. I mean, pretty much every branch, of the military that you joined, one of the first things you do, even during the M processing part, is you get inundated with acronyms about principles that we stand for, right? I mean, it's that's that's what it is. Honor, integrity, self-sacrifice, things like that. Yeah, uh, Selfless service, actually, I think is what it is in the, in the army. Um, but very rarely do you see somebody willing to take a principled stance. And when somebody does very frequently, they get hammered for it by command, whether it's big army or even their local command. Uh, one notable example are the guys in, uh, special forces units in the army who got tired of watching Afghans rape little boys and started to say and do stuff about it. And then they got disciplined by the military for it. It's like, I, there is some level of, uh, uh, cultural awareness where it's like, if somebody prepares their food a different way, I'm not gonna bug them about it because when in Rome, right. But when you're raping kids, I feel like maybe that's the time to step up and say something. And there's no, if, if our mission as a country, if America's mission is such that kids can get raped and that mission still be accomplished, then I'm not comfortable with that no matter what the fucking mission is. That's got to be a red line in the sand, but it's a, it's an extreme example, but that shit happened quite a bit in the middle 2010s, especially.
1: Oh yeah. Um, you know, and I perfect example is my last deployment in Missoula, right? So we were Partnered up with the emergency response division, uh, which is this Iraqi unit that really was unvetted. Um, we somehow they've been able to wait for us to partner up with them to clear the city of Mosul, and we lived with them for six months in this little shithole uh, house. And you know the the room they had right attached to us next door was where they brought potential prisoners or you know ISIS members, and we would go to sleep every night listening to them get raped, uh, tortured, Um, you know, you could actually look through a peephole and watch what they were doing. And it was one of those things where everybody sort of knew it was going on, uh, but nobody really talked about it because they were like, hey, this is about accomplishing the mission. Um, And I know a lot of guys had some issues, you know, with it, but and they had to deal with that afterwards, just from having to watch and listen to that every night and not really be able to do anything about it. Cause obviously we have rules, uh, that we abide by, but then somehow when we get partnered up with a force that has no rules, we're supposed to just turn a blind eye to accomplish the mission. Um, and I think that happens pretty frequently.
0: Mm. Yeah. Well, fuck that. Right. Um, like, it, yeah, it, I mean, before, time- b- before your duty, to the mission is your duty to your, to, to humanity. Right. I mean, that's what we're, that we, we always yeah. talk about that shit. The thing that separates but us from them is the fact that we play by rules and shit. Um, and one of my rules is if you fuck with kids, you die. I mean, we should have executed every yeah. single one of those motherfuckers until the practice stopped, frankly.
1: Oh, I'm with you on that. I mean, that's, and, but unfortunately you saw with the, I think it was, uh, wasn't the green beret that, that got charged. Yeah. In for, 2016, uh, I think. Yeah. I mean, and that again, that sets the president, right? Like you see this guy getting hammered for doing the right thing. And then everyone else is second guessing, you know, like, well, yeah, I don't agree with this, what's going on, but if I step in and do anything, I'm going to get punished as well.
0: Yeah. His name was, uh, Charles Martland. He was a, uh, an E seven and he beat up an Afghan militia commander for, uh, having a, a little boy chained to his bed as a sex slave. And, uh, his, his, uh, team leader, the captain was relieved of command because of it. He lost his job because of it. And I I assume that the Afghan militia commander is still out there raping children. Right. So, so, I mean, like, is that who we are as a fucking country that we allow shit like that to happen? Is it, is it who we are as a country that, um, you know, we try to, force vaccinate somebody with a vaccine that hasn't been tested that they didn't even test to see if it worked or not. I mean, now we, we know this now, right? They didn't test to see if it would actually prevent transmission or infection. they just like, oh, this is, meets the, the general requirements for a vaccine and here you go, right? And now what we know now is that it fucking didn't do anything. I mean, it did, it did yeah. for a very short amount of time for some people, but for the vast majority of people uh, and, in, and in a lot of cases was a bigger risk than it was a benefit.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, uh, causing complications in some individuals that take it. Um, uh, you know, and then all of a sudden we have this, uh, sudden death syndrome that's going on and, you know, and I, I can't understand how people don't, can't figure this out. Like the vaccine is given, everybody's taking it, but then there's a part of the country that's questioning it and they're like, Hey. This is, you know, this hasn't been tested. It's all common sense stuff. Like, no, I don't want to receive it. But then, you know, months later, you start having these sudden deaths happen, which are mm-hmm. being reported. Of course, nothing is correlated to the vaccine. It's just suddenly, you know, some death and a lot of athletes, um, who knows how many military members died from it? Uh, cause you know, that's not going to get reported. And it's, I mean, I, I still am like trying to figure out what the end game is with that whole conspiracy i'm like why why did they force that upon the military and all these members
0: well it seemed like it was i i think it's a couple of things um the first thing is just you couldn't exempt them because the rest of the population wouldn't take it right i think that's part of it and then the second part is you know the only reason they did any of the shit in the first place was to make money for their buddies, the oh, same, sure. the same as the fucking wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. We just did that shit to make money for people's friends. Right. Um, yeah. and then I think the third one, I think the prosecution part of it, the way they went after people, one, it's just a generally crushed dissent, but I also think it was a coordinated effort, um, to, to get like free thinkers out of the military, out of policing as well. I think in, in a lot of major cities, I think they wanted to get people who are going to question things out of the way. So they can have, you know, and, and that's what you're going to do, right? Like if you're, if you're building an army, you look for a certain type of person, you put them together, you train them. If you're looking for an army that'll do shit and not question it, that's a different thing, right? That's like, you're talking yeah. about, you're talking about, uh, uh, the should and things like that. At this point, you're talking about Gestapo. That's, that's the kind of person you're looking for. Somebody who will follow orders, you know what I mean? Um, but that's not what we're trying to do. As a matter of fact, the UCMJ is pretty clear about uh, not, not the right, but the responsibility of an individual in the military to refuse an unlawful order. And, and I, it, it's, this is, this is, we're, we're encroaching on pretty bad territory here because we're deep in this personality cult in America where, you know, we're not run by principle anymore, we're run by fucking leaders and their opinions about things and their opinions are fucked. Right.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I just had this conversation yesterday. I was actually in an interview and was asked, uh, I was on there with another some general, uh, and they were asked like, you know, what what do you think the problem is with leadership in the military, and should we have enlisted? Uh, I think there there's one of the solutions that they came up with was like, hey, well, should we have an enlisted uh, advisor attached to uh, like an attache attached to each admiral or general mm-hmm. that you know came back just came back from combat or deployment that actually is able to have influence on their fit reps, fit reps, and evals. Uh, and maybe they then they would listen. But to me, I'm like, well, that's putting a bandaid over a bullet hole. I'm like, the the real problem here is the way that these officers are brought up in all these academies. Uh, it's a very elitist um, movement going on that you know they can do no wrong. And then also it's the way they promote or make rank. So you know, as as you know, at a certain at a certain rank, I believe it's like O five. It becomes political, and they have to get their uh, promotion signed off by Congress, right. you know, in some form or fashion. So then now you're you're dealing with these officers who are about you know just pushing the agenda of whatever congressman is going to sign off on their promotion, and that's what you know creates yes men, which we've seen obviously over the past two decades of war that were com- you know constantly lying to the presidents or whoever else was asking questions. But you they don't get the ground truth from the enlisted who are actually doing the job, who are giving their blood, sweat, and tears. Um, so I, I'm like, my solution, I'm like, do they need to revamp the whole system of how these officers get promoted, uh, how their fit reps get written. Um, they actually should have some experience in leadership. And right now we can see, you know, with the people that are up top, Millie and Austin, they have no, there's no experience there. And I don't care how many ribbons you know, Millie wears on his uniform. Cause I know 90% of those weren't really earned by him, but probably by enlisted below him. Mm. Uh, and it's proven, you know, we saw it during the Afghan withdrawal, like my five-year-old could have came up with a better plan.
0: Every, every infantry paratrooper private could have done that better because you know, immediately, I mean, so, you know, just by exposure to the operational environment, you know, that, um, <laughs> grabbing up the fucking the uh the the division or brigade ready force or whoever it happens to be and deploying them on short notice that's a contingency plan that's not an operation right that's that's a that's a fucking frago basically like we're we're yeah. things have gotten fucked up and now we need to do this but that was our first plan to do that that was the first time any planning actually took place it was like oh shit we fucked it oh you're telling me that the um, we pull all the air out of Afghanistan and then uh, 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 you know just hope for the best with these Afghan dudes who have been secretly trying to kill us this whole time, right? And they're gonna fucking stand up to the invasion coming from the Taliban. By the way, the Taliban's already taken over forty percent of the country at this point, and that didn't hit the press between March and June. They took over forty percent of the goddamn country, and then no, nobody reported yeah. on that or nobody knew. Maybe I don't know, but yeah. Well,
1: Again, going back to being a yes man, you know, you're having these officers who are over there telling the president and whoever else that, yeah, the Afghans can take care of themselves. They're, they're fully trained. They're fully bought in, ready to defend their country. And as you know, like, be working with them. Same as me. Like it's complete bullshit. Yeah. It's like these, these dudes don't care. You might have, you know, two out of every 10 that are like actually there for the right reason. Um, and, you know, I've, I've had some great, some great guys that we worked with, but that's, like I said, two out of 10, the rest of them are just there for a paycheck and they'll gladly accept a paycheck from the Taliban as well. Like they have, there's no belief system over there. Yeah. hundred um, percent. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, th- this is the kind of environment you get from, um, you know, this, this hero worship culture we're in, you know, uh, and it's political as well. It's like, Oh, I'm a MAGA person or I'm a, I'm a progressive. It's like, what are the principles you believe in and how does that guide your fucking day-to-day life and your decision-making? I don't give a fuck who you're a fan of. I don't care what team you think you play for. We all play for America, right? We're supposed to be doing that. So yeah, that's the reason we started this show in the first place is the idea that you can sit around and bitch and moan about your rights and wait for somebody else to secure them for you. And you are going to be a subject under their rule and you're going to be caught in places where you have to defend them even when they're wrong. Right. Because that's your team or you can perform the responsibilities required of you to secure those rights yourself. And that's the definition of a citizen, right? Um, that's how it works. That's how it's supposed to work anyways. Yeah. Um, and you know, so we develop this list. Um, of principles i can't remember who said it uh originally but there's this quote um let me see if i can find it uh men did not love rome because she was great she was great because they had loved her right that's the commitment so people talk about the greatness of america and it only is such because it's like tinkerbell because we believe it right because when you believe something, your actions support that, when you truly believe it. So we come up with this list of principles that I think uh, you know, are pretty good guidestones for how to be, you know, an honorable and productive member of any society, but certainly here. And the first one is just based on our enlistment oath. I'll, I'll support and defend liberty against all enemies foreign and domestic. Like this idea, and we're seeing it with this Russia-Ukraine shit, too. Any criticism of Ukraine or the United States action that's somehow pro-Russia. It's like, no, I want my country to be the right. I, 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 want, them, yeah. I want them to be in the right. And right now, they're not. They're fucked up. And wanting to correct that, it's like it's criticizing American foreign policy or even domestic policy and saying that is anti-American is like... um, a fireman putting out a house fire and saying he's anti-house. That's fucking stupid, right? It doesn't make any sense. (laughs) That's the very base level of political discourse that's going on right now. And I wonder, you know, when we're going to get back to something approaching that where it's like somebody in American politics fucks up or does something stupid or an idea that's permeated is fucking dumb and doesn't support American ideals. And and people on both sides are like, no, 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 we're not doing that, right? But I just don't see it anymore. No, it's –
1: I mean – yeah, I can't, it's been overstated, I think, over the past year, like we are in weird times, difficult times right now. This country is is divided because people let the media and the government divide us. They they sit there and listen to everything that the media and government spewing out, which, I mean, as much information that is that we are uh, able to attain these days through social media and everywhere else, I feel like we are still the less... We are so less informed than before, because it's just a, a, it's all a bunch of propaganda for both sides. So I think people have they've lost the ability to think for themselves, to critically think through these issues, and take a step back and just gain perspective on what is really going on. Um, people just want their information; they want the clickbait and like, okay, my decision's made. Um, I'm on this team because of this. And the also also the thing is like when you when you join a team, whether it's the left or right you can't have any of your own views and you do if you speak out and you're like oh i this is what i agree with and it might be on the right side then the left side is going to completely shun you and uh the right does it as well it's you know if you have any leftist views they'll be like oh you're out you're not on our team and really it's like dude we should be able to think what we want. I mean, and that's the thing. That's the beauty of America is you can have your own values and belief systems. I don't care what religion you are, what race, um, you can have those, you can stand up for them and believe in them. But at the same time, like, I'm a conservative Christian, right? Mm-hmm. I, I have Christian values. That doesn't mean I'm going to force everybody else to have those as well. You know, it's like, that's how I live my life. That's how I raise my family. Um, and yeah, that is like, you know, the group of people that I do hang around because we share the same Mm -hmm. similar values, but that doesn't mean I hate everyone else with different values. I'm like, that's what the beauty of America, like you can have your own values and, you know, I won't shove them in your face and you don't shove them in mine. It's just same as being in a platoon when you're in the military, everybody, it's a, everyone thinks like, you know, special operations that we're, we're all, you know, clones of each other and we all think the same way, but it's, that's the complete opposite. You know, you can go into a team room. Everyone has different values and belief systems, but we're all there for a similar mission, which is, you know, whatever it is going, you know, deploying to Iraq or Afghanistan. I truly believe that's what, you know, America is. We're, we have a similar mission. It's to keep America what it is and what, what it stands for. Um, and we can all have different views and still be on the same team but I think
0: we, yeah. we've all lost that. Yeah, it's why it's why the founders used the phrase a more perfect union, right? It's like um, in, in that statement, we're saying that we think we've got a good idea, but it's going to take some time to do this and it's going to take constant vigilance to maintain it, which is why Jefferson said, you know, the tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. Um, or we, we have reached this point now where Um, the greater political discourse in America does reflect the military, right? This binary, you have to think one, not, not that on each issue, you have to think one way or another, because usually that is how it is. Decisions are made in a binary fashion. Sometimes it's a gray area, but when the entire playbook is binary, right? When you have to agree with these 12 talking points or these 12 talking points, and if you vary from any of that stuff, then somehow you're a Russian agent or you're, yeah. you're a, you're a <laughs> yeah. fucking, uh, uh, a libtard or whatever fucking stupid shit people say. That's just not, that is not a productive discourse and it's not going to be successful, right? It's just, it, imagine, so map that onto, cause you have to be a sycophant to think that way, right? You have to be, you have to be more afraid of being criticized or out, uh, or outcast by your peers then you are, uh, then you are proud of doing the right thing. That's a bad combination of stuff, right? That's yeah. Not, that's not that's not a good fucking place to be as a human being. Imagine that mapped onto medicine, right? Imagine if you're in a uh, if if doctors disagreed wildly on what your condition was and how to treat it, you that would make you feel pretty shitty, and it wouldn't be very productive for you or your 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 treatment or anything. Well, we kind of saw that right over the last couple of years where there were a few doctors who were like, oh, this doesn't really make any sense. But the vast majority of people either capitulated because they didn't want to stand out and lose their job or get criticized or they were on board with the greater, you know, let's fucking force everybody to do shit. You can see how yeah you can see how rapidly that all comes together and becomes a stone rolling downhill that is very difficult to stop. And what we don't have is resilience against that anymore because it is anytime any free thinker pops up, somebody shows up and tries to shoot them down.
1: Yeah. Well, they get canceled, Mm -hmm. right? They're like, you're done. Um, and I I think, you know, what the one silver lining over the past two years, and I always try and look for the, the silver lining when we're in situations like this is, you know, there's more and more, people figuring this out so like the you know and it's getting out on all these podcasts right so I mean look at it I really think you know Rogan did a hell of a job like bringing people on bringing those doctors on that had those beliefs that the vaccine was you know not what everybody was saying it was and letting them speak out because all of them got canceled you know and Rogan has probably the biggest platform in the world so I mean to be able to spread that information that way was awesome and I think that's really what we're going to head towards is, you know, these, these independent uh, media sources that are able to actually put out what, you know, the truth or just get a different perspective on what is actually being told to us through mainstream media. And I'm just hoping that, you know, that grows more and people can start seeing through the bullshit that's constantly being fed to them. Um, But then again, you know, you never know. All, All I do, man, is I, you know, I pray about it. I pray about this. I pray for this country. Um, and in the end it, it is in God's hands. I'm like, dude, I, I, don't, I don't have faith in our government making the right oh. decisions. Uh, it's, and then you can really drive yourself crazy when you get to that point. Like, dude, what is going on here? Um, like we said before, like, you're just waiting for something to happen. Um, and in the end, man, I just, I give it up to God and I'm like, dude, just help me take care of my family, take, take care of what's in front of me, um, help me affect my community in a positive way. You know, and that's, that's really the key of what I tell people, man. I'm like, get your own house in order. And then once you have your own house in order, then you can start affecting your community. Mm. Then start, once you start affecting your community, then you can start branching out from there. Uh, but it's not until you have your own house in order. Can you really start making changes?
0: Yeah. Well, when times are tough, you know, um, when, the economy's bad when there's disease, famine, uh, war, you know, there is this tendency for people to, um, become a lot more self-centered. It's, it's something of a, a survival instinct almost, you know what I mean? Like when, when things are yeah. going well, uh, which is to some degree understandable, we're, we're still animals out here, but, um, you know, the way to get back from that isn't just to. Uh, treat the symptoms necessarily like you want to treat the disease and one of the reasons that this kind of stuff happens as I mentioned before for, with that with that quote the reason Rome is great is because people love it the reason America was great before is because people loved it and as such their actions um, aligned with the fact that they loved it it's like it's like broken window theory almost but on a grander scale you know um, so that's why another reason you know we talk about this uh these principles the second one after the the general i'll support and defend liberty is um i'll do something every day to help my country my countrymen or all men that's something that i think like when you talk about resetting how what what am i doing wrong what are the fundamentals of life because you can't we're not we're not going to overhaul the government in a single day we're not going to end famine we're not going to fix the economy we're not going to you know we're not going to end disease uh, all today, but you can do one thing every day. Right. And when you do it, uh, uh, when, when you do it and other people see you doing it, they start doing it too. And at some point you reach a critical mass. You know what I mean? There's enough people doing the right thing that shit starts to turn around a little bit. And the other thing that happens is that, uh, you become a lot less tolerant of people who are not doing the right thing. And, and, and it starts slow, right? So first you just ignore them. You stop hanging out with them. You, kick kick them out of your lives but then you start saying something like hey bo you're you're fucked up you know what i mean and it happens at the even at the smallest level if there's a team a guy on your team guy on your platoon or some shit that's fucked up somebody's gonna say something right because it matters and we think it doesn't matter but what you accept what you allow to happen around you matters it is tacit approval to stand by idly and say nothing when people are fucked up and they're hurting other people you can't do it this episode of citizens also brought to you by ghostbed dot com forward slash drinking bros right now ghost bed is offering 40 off ghost bed bundles where you get a mattress and an adjustable base for everything else 30 percent off if you use the code drinking bros at ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros if you get the uh 40 off deal if you use the 40 off bundle deal you're going to get uh, a mattress and all your stuff your base your sheets your pillows all this stuff for about 30 to 35 bucks a month They've got a zero down, zero percent financing plan for up to 60 months, six zero months. That's five years uh, about the lifespan of the average bed. So it works out great for you. Works out great for uh, the company. So go check it out. Go to ghostbed.com forward slash Drink your bros. Whether you're in the market for a bed, uh, an adjustable base, whether you just need sheets or pillows or any of that stuff, they got the best. The mattress protector, the weighted blanket. They have everything you need there. 30% off everything. Use the code DRINKING BROS at ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros. Or if you need that adjustable base as well and the mattress, get the bundle and everything else you add onto that deal is 40% off. This episode is also brought to you by First Form. Firstform.com forward slash drinking bros. The product they really want you using is the Micro Factor. It's a complete daily nutrient pack. Now, what's in it? Antioxidants, CoQ10, great for heart health, multivitamins. Uh, greens and reds, which is to say fruits and veggies, then EFA, which is to say fats that you need. And then they got a probiotic in there as well. It's an easy little packet. You just dump it all in your fucking mouth and swallow, uh, probably with some liquid, preferably water. Um, they got all kinds of other great products as well. Uh, talking about those meat sticks, the breakfast sausage meat stick is the best thing I've ever had in my life. And then of course, they have energy drinks. They've got all kinds of stuff over there. They got great protein, the best supplements on the market, if you spend over 75 bucks, you're gonna get free shipping. So go to firstform.com forward slash drinking bros and get those deals.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, I think that's a that's a great point. And you know, to, to see what's going on now, I mean, take for example, and I know it's a very small percentage, it's like point whatever, but with the whole, this whole transgender and mm-hmm. going after the kids, right? And I, I had this conversation, um, I think with baker levitt when he was he came on the podcast and he you know he brought up the point he's like dude you realize that's like point one percent so it's really not that big and i was like well every organization every terrorist organization starts off point one percent right and you just you sit there and let them do what they want they will grow and it will get bigger and bigger and i'm like and that's why i feel like we need to speak out again you know if you do not believe in what's going on and we cannot tolerate it you you have to say something and you can't just, I, I believe, you know, the past, I don't know how long we've been tolerant. We've been tolerant of all this bullshit, which is why we're in the point where we are now, where we're letting kids mutilate themselves at a young age. And, um, you know, if you thought 10 years ago, like, hey, man, this is what's going to happen in 10 years, mm-hmm. you'd be like, what the fuck? No way. And it's happening now because that's what being tolerant does you need to call out what's wrong. And, you know, and I know there's people that are out there that believe somehow that that's, it's the right thing to do, or they believe in the whole, I mean, I, I, in my opinion, they're mentally ill and mm-hmm. they need help. Uh, it's just, you know, it's some kind of a symptom that they have, but I'm like, in my case, no, I'm going to speak out about it because I don't want this affecting my children. Uh, and like, now you're bringing it into my home. You're on my lawn. Now, now we have a problem.
0: Yeah. What did Winston Churchill used to say? Um, appeasement is feeding the crocodile, hoping he eats you last. (laughs) Yeah, it's perfect. You know what I mean? It's like, what are we really doing here? Like if your neighbor's house is on fire, it's like, well, it's not my house. Well, it's going to be right. It's going to be very soon unless you do something. And I think I, I really like that analogy because it speaks to the fact that, um, we do have a tendency to, to think about ourselves first. Um, but it is at our own peril. You know, I mean, generally speaking in life, every meaningful thing you ever do is going to be in the service of somebody else, your family or your community or your nation or whoever it is. That is typically the case. Very rarely do you do anything for yourself that's truly meaningful. And even to yourself, you may feel like it at the time, but that kind of stuff doesn't really fulfill you as a human being. And it's just evolutionary biology to survive, We had to work together for 2 million years of human DNA. Now we've had to work together. Like it's, it's bred into you literally over millions of years that you have to survive. You have to become a member of your community. You have to talk to people. You have to argue with people. You have to fight them. You have to, you know, be close to them. And uh, eventually you got to trust them and work with them. You know what I mean? That it's, it's part of who we are as people. And, to me, when I see these, you know, politicians and media people trying to divide people, that is an attack on the, that. to me, that is a human right violation, right? It is, it is an attack at the core of what it means to be a human being. Um, and we don't take it seriously. We, we, we get scared or angry and just take our own side's point of view immediately, you know, um, because it's yeah. easier. It's more comfortable, and when does doing what's more comfortable ever fucking work? It just doesn't work, man. Never.
1: Yeah, you're not going to grow if you're doing stuff that's comfortable all the time. You literally are not going to grow as a person if you do not face uncomfortable situations and deal with them. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I know that the sayings in special operations. You know, it's uh, you know, uh, what is it? Get used to being, get comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm. Like, because we're constantly pushed, you know, to a limit and we're constantly trying to better ourselves as operators and going to all these schools. Well, you take that and transition it when you get out. And that's that's what I really try and do is, you know, I teach these classes uh, at the range I'm at here. But, you know, when I have these people out, it's I give them talks like, hey, if you're not waking up every day at least picking one thing that you're not good at or you're uncomfortable doing and attempting to do that, then you are not going to grow as a person. Mm. And I'm like, and yeah, it's sometimes it's through pain. Sometimes it's through frustration. Um, and we all go through it. Um, you know, it's not like, and I'm, I'm not preaching. Like I'm, I'm the perfect person. You know, I I go through it too, man. I got my times where I'm like, dude, I don't want to do this. This is, you know, this makes me uncomfortable or this is bullshit. But, in the end i'm like you know what i i should be doing this because it does make me uncomfortable and i'm going to grow as a person from yeah. it um, and i think people need to take on that a lot more
0: I, f- I feel like people have a hard time self-motivating um and it's because there's no purpose in that there's no purpose in doing stuff for yourself right so when i talk to young guys uh or particularly dudes who are you know have families like you're <laughs> You, you're not enjoying your job. You're not, you're not physically fit. You're overweight it's affecting you and it's affecting how you raise your family. I can tell you for a fucking fact that it is, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. And so when you wake up in the morning and you, you know you need to go do some fasted cardio or lift some weights or some shit before work and you don't feel like it, that's not about you, motherfucker. You know what I mean? It's not about you. It's about your fucking family. It's yeah. about all of us collectively, right? Like you, you, if you, I, I think it does help if you frame things that way. If you start thinking about, uh, well, I got to do this for somebody else, because that's how we are in the military. You know, the first when you first join, you're all gung ho, blah blah blah, for my country, and, and and but it, it very quickly turns to this, um, like uh, the, I guess the the animal chasing you, whatever's behind you, motivating you goes from just this general, broad, vague understanding of patriotism, or maybe you just want to go fuck some shit up. Just the, you know, general male aggression needs to be exercised. It turns quickly from that into, I don't want to let my team down. Right. Like that becomes, exactly. that becomes almost something pathological for us. I think it's like, I, I, cause you'll, you'll hear stories of guys who are like, yeah, I didn't go on that raid and, you know, some shit went down and I'll never forgive myself for it. That's I think that becomes the core motivator for a lot of us. And I don't think it's unique to to warriors either. I think that's just how human beings are, are built. You know, like you don't want to disappoint the people around you. And no. Yeah. yeah Especially that, the people that you love. Yeah. And that's a but that's a really good and powerful motivator. So stop thinking about, you know, if you're trying to better your position, stop thinking about how it affects you. I think it's a really good place to start.
1: Yeah. Set the example for your family, set the example for your kids. I, you know, a perfect uh, example of that is, you know, when I had got, got out, uh, my first year of transition, it was rough, man. I was pissed. I was angry, uh, especially with all the crap that had happened to me. Um, it was, and you know, I went into that almost self-serving, like, you know, I'm pissed. Uh, I want to do something about this. And, but you know, I couldn't. And for about, five months you know i was around my house i was working on the book and everything and uh my daughter i went to a room to talk to her and she literally looked at me and she's like i don't even want to be around you. like you are an just angry depressed person and I now mean, it wasn't like i was lashing out it was just on my face the way i carried myself mm-hmm. um and that is when i was like you know what i, I have this this has to change um uh, which is the big decision when i went to go do the uh the psychedelic treatment i mean that was it for me i was like dude that's it I'm, I'm gonna go make this leap i need to make a change for my family for the better um and be you know and man is supposed to be the leader of the family right you're setting the tone um and if you're unable to do that if you because you're sitting there feeling sorry for yourself or you know um, like i was doing just trying to come up with plans to get revenge it's like no it's not going to happen dude um just
0: you know, heal yourself first and then start taking care of your family. So it was the, it was the interaction with your family. That was kind of a wake up call that you needed to drop what you were doing and go exactly. deal with your bullshit. Right. Oh yeah, for sure, man. I mean, and
1: that's the thing, you know, in so we're all built the same, yeah. like we, all oh, I can suffer forever. We can be <laughs> yeah, miserable yeah. forever. Oh yeah. I, mean, I get whatever this is. Especially dude. Uh, we're
0: idiots. We'll, we'll go 20 years without going to a fucking doctor. <laughs> it's so stupid. No, exactly. Yeah, we are. We're morons, and uh, it's but it also what's what makes us
1: good at what we do, right? right? We're, we're not. We don't complain. We're like, dude, I I can suffer in silence and get the job done. Uh, but at the same time, that's not the right answer uh, when you get out. And yeah, that that interaction I have with my daughter, and I had one more interaction with my son when we were in the car, and he just looked at me and he was like, you know, are you okay? And this is my at the time ten year old son, like legitimately asking me looking me in my eyes like are you okay and i knew i was like dude this is this is it i have to go do something um it's written all over me Mm. you know everybody knew that i wasn't doing well even though in my you know like we talked about i'm like yeah i'm fine i'm good i'm good but it's it's i'm not i wasn't i was far from it Mm. so yeah that was the big decision point i made to go to the uh ibogaine and all that and that was a, a game changer
0: you know um in some form how did you how did you feel in that moment when your daughter doesn't want to be around you and your son is who who shouldn't even know how to ask that question? You know what I mean? Which is yeah, know, kudos to him, but uh, you know how do how do you feel right then? It's like someone ripped my heart out and threw it on the
1: ground and just stomped on it over and over. I mean, it was probably the most painful thing to hear uh, coming from your own kids. You know, and you know, my wife would always my wife's a very intelligent, smart person. And she'd always tell me, you know, like there's nothing, there's something wrong with you. Of course, you know, I'm like, whatever. Um, there's always been something wrong with me, you know, over the past 20 (laughs) years. And there was, yeah. When you hear it from your kids, you're like, dude, all right, this is, this has got to change. Um, so yeah, I mean, that was probably, it was a painful thing to hear a painful thing to go through with them just because you don't want them, you don't want them to see you as, you know, you know your ego gets in the way you're like you want them to see you as the warrior that you mm-hmm. think you are and like a protector but when your kids are like dude no you're not like there's something there's something wrong with you uh and you need to get fixed i think that's a huge wake-up call um and it i needed it you know it was one of those things where i'm like i'm glad it happened uh and it got me the help i needed
0: yeah you know uh there's this old saying, I actually heard it on the Sopranos once. I can't remember exactly how it goes, so I'll paraphrase, but it's something to the effect of uh, a bird with a broken wing doesn't go around feeling sorry for itself. You know what I mean? It just tries to remedy the situation. Um, yeah. And, and you know, not not to be reductive, but, you know, if your weapon was fucked up, you would just fix it. You wouldn't sit around moping about the process or worry about how people would feel about it. You would just fix the goddamn gun, you know? Um, Yeah, and what was it like oh go ahead
1: oh i also think you know when we were in and i say this i'm like we're very situationally aware like we're situationally aware human beings or operators when we're in we we're constantly looking to see you know what what's the tone is in the room or wherever we go um like you said our weapons busted Mm. like yeah i'm gonna fix it but we are the least self-aware of like how fucked up am i Mm. um it comes to you know mental mentally mental health um so i i think that's one thing that you know i had to process and go through when i got out is actually becoming self-aware and being like okay i do have emotions uh you know my only emotions were either i'm good or i'm fucking pissed and i'm ready to go you know do something mm-hmm. uh and it wouldn't matter what it wouldn't matter what situation happened you know and obviously being around death all the time it's like you completely go numb and that was another prime example and this was when i was in my my uh, wife's uh, mother had drowned uh unexpectedly my last workup and we got the call in the morning and i remember looking you know you know my wife got the news and i had no there was no emotion it was just like just i was just going through okay we need to get you a ticket fly you out there um so you can take care of it. but i i knew i should have felt something but i was like dude i don't i don't feel a thing right now um and so those are you know and that's from dealing with all the bullshit that we go through in our careers and having our friends die and everything i think you just emotionally shut yourself off so you're like i don't want to feel this pain so i'm going to wall it off and not let those feelings come again um because they they affect me and they affect the way i operate
0: yeah i mean it's not <laughs> I would go farther. It's not even just that we don't want to feel the pain. It's that there's no time, you know? And, and, you know, if you can't have that in the back of your mind when you're operating, I mean, you, sometimes you might have to step over your buddy's dead body to, you got to win the fight first, right? You got to win the fight and then you can do the other shit. Um, and it does become a habit and it becomes like a survival instinct to block all that stuff out. And then we, you know, we do this, um, We do all these things to transition out of the military. You know what I mean? Like get your medical workups done, uh, uh, getting your resume put together, transferring your military service into college credit. We do all this shit, right? Uh, Do internships now, I guess they're doing. um, But there isn't one goddamn program out there that the DOD supports that teaches people how to be human beings again. Not one. There's not one that exists that the DOD currently funds or supports or anything like that. Nothing even approaching that, actually. It's all nonprofits that do that stuff. Well,
1: and I think that's done on purpose as well. Cause again,
0: like we talked about earlier, it's all about the money.
1: Right. Mm. So they're just like, take your ass to the VA and they'll pump you full of pills. Um, which, you know, I went, I had a, uh, my first visit to the VA down here. Um, they were like, you know, I was going through my record and they'd, they'd never seen anything like that. Cause there's not a lot of special operators down here. They deal with, you know, conventional or mm. um, big Navy and, they were like, oh shit, we haven't seen anything like this, which to me, I was like, this is normal. All my, all my friends are the same way, but they literally right away were like, hey, let's get you on some SSRIs. Let's put you on this. Let's put you on this. And I'm like, no, nah, I don't want any pills. And they are like, well, what are you going to do? And I was like, well, you know, I'll get my medical marijuana card. And I was like, I'll do that to, you know, help with this. And I'm going to find other ways besides taking pills. And I'm telling you what they, for a month called me probably every other day trying to mail me pills. They're like, are you sure? Because what they want is a customer for life. Um, and that's, you know,
0: that's how they make their money. Yeah. <clears throat> but you decided to go a different route. I think it's a uh, one that's becoming quite a bit more popular thanks to, you know, um, I guess Rogan's talked about a little bit. Marcus Capone's been a big leader in that industry as well. He's a good, he and his wife, Amber, have done a lot of good work there. Uh, Heroic Hearts Project. There's a number of organizations out there that are helping. Can you tell me how, like, after you did, and I know there's a, pro- like, especially after Ibogaine, that's really intense. There's a process where you're kind of reconstituting yourself as a human being after it for a couple of weeks, maybe sometimes a couple of months, right? Um, but how, yeah. what, what was the difference you noticed when you, from when you left your family to go do this stuff until the time you got back? And how did it progress as you, you know, started to come back into the fucking into your own? Well, I think, yeah, what,
1: what the Ibogaine did for me, um, and I, you know, everyone has a different experience Mm. on it. Um, and pinpoint like, Oh, this is what's going to happen because it's happened to these
0: other people. Right. You should come Uh, in with a plan, but not come in with expectations. That's a good, that's good advice for that particular drug and for ayahuasca as well. It's the same.
1: Yeah. You come in with an intention like, mm. Hey, this is this is what I would like to get out of mm. it. Um, and for me, I, cause we wrote it, we wrote down on a piece of paper, uh, I, I believe it was like three intentions. Um, and then you throw them into the fire before you go, uh, take the medicine. Um, and mine, I really, I mean, I pretty much made it pretty simple. I was like, I want to feel innocent again, as far as like I looked at my kids and like they're laughing and, You know, they still have that joy in them. I'm like, dude, I don't have that. Like, I want that back so I can be a better father. Uh, So when I was going through the medicine, I mean, I had a very good experience. Like, it was, I didn't throw up. I was calm. They said I didn't move a muscle the whole night. I had a big smile on my face um, because all it kept showing, all it showed me, you know, I I definitely dealt with some stuff from childhood, um, just stuff between me and my dad uh, that really cleared some things up um but then what really it showed me was like i kept seeing these images of my family on the couch like waving me back like come back to us and it was like i'm loved you know like and i think that was a big part of it as well like i felt like i wasn't deserving of being around them i was like you know i'm a bad person mm. you know um just from stuff in our from our career like you don't know what i've done Um uh, and it really just broke that for me and was like no i am needed You know, they want me to come back, Uh, you know, and I would hear, you also have the audio. um, uh, They're not visualizations, but the. um, I could hear like past conversations that I had with my kids and my wife as other stuff was going on. So it it really like brought everything back uh, to it just made me feel I guess I came out of it. I'm like, dude, I'm I'm nothing is really wrong with me. This is all. I built it up in my own head uh, and it sort of cleared that for me. So when I came back home, you know, my wife noticed a big difference. Um, she was, you know, you're sort of like, like you said, in that three month state of uh, mm-hmm. the drug is still sort of working through you. Um, and sometimes it, you know, it lasts longer or shorter for other people, but I think for me it was about two to three months. Um, where you just sort of have this glow and you're like, all right, you know, I'm in, I'm in a new state. Um, but I will say this, that glow does wear off uh, and reality does sort of smack you back in the face, like, Hey, welcome back. Um, and you can easily fall right back into your old habits. Um, so, you know, the good thing that, cause I went through Marcus and Amber, mm-hmm. uh, the vet program, and the good thing that they do after you take the, uh, I and then the five MEO DMT, they spend about three days, uh, teaching you classes on how to keep that going. Uh, without having to like go back and do the medicine again they're like hey these are some good practices that you can do um, because you will fall back into reality you will uh, if you're not careful you will go back into your old habits and sort of just go back into the same individual that you were before you showed up so I, I you know I I made sure I practiced those habits as best I could and obviously you know that would you know slip sometimes whether I was traveling or doing whatever um, but I really the big thing for me is just creating a routine, a morning routine. Um, when I get up, you know, I, I made it uh, a point last year. I was like, okay, I'm going to read through the whole Bible. Um, and so I get up, I read a couple passages through the Bible every morning and I talk to God. I'm just like, dude, help me get through today. Uh, you know, just just help me be a good father. Help me be a good husband, you know, keep these whatever you want to call them demons or whatever, like the anxiety, depression, all that stuff that, you know, uh, i'm i'm played with i'm sure a lot of us are uh can fall back into it i'm like you know keep those from me if those do start coming on help me work through those Hmm. uh without completely flatlining and going back into into a depression so and i've been ever since i've been doing that dude i haven't had really any issues not saying it's been like smooth sailing but i've been able to like bounce back each and every time right when i notice that's coming on so I think that's the big thing is in establishing a routine. Um, uh, and then, you know, obviously working out is huge. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a, I do that every morning I train, uh, I personally train a couple people around here and then my son is about to join the Marine Corps. Uh, so I'm getting him ready to go. So it's been, those habits just keep, it gives me a purpose, you know, and I think that's another thing is, you know, and it's been overstated like you find another purpose, which is easier said than done. Right. Um, those purposes can be looked, small little purposes as well that can keep you going you don't have to have some grand purpose like we had in the special operations where it's like yes my purpose is to defend this country Mm. go over there kill the enemy um you can you know minimize that to hey i just i'm going to spend time with my son uh getting him ready for an hour each morning right and then you just
0: start your day off from there yeah what they're uh what they're teaching you there is um and this is a really good process for anybody, not just people going through bullshit. It's just, this is just, you know, how human beings work, but it's the, it's, you're, they're teaching you how to contextualize the difference between, uh, cognition and emotion. Right. So think about insecurity, for example, insecurity is not an emotion. That's a cognition. It's a filter through which data pours. And then, you know, you experience an emotion because of it. So, uh, uh, it can go one way or another. It's it, the, the emotion that you're actually feeling is fear or anger or anxiety or something like that. Those are the emotions you're facing, but insecurity is the cognition. So it's, it's how, I guess you're, it's how you're interpreting what you're actually feeling. So you get to choose, right? Like, so the, the fear and anxiety that you feel when uh, um, in that, in those situations you can, Leave it alone, and the cognition will probably be insecurity because that's how we work, right? It's a it's an internalized motivator. That, but we what you're supposed to do is address not the symptom, which is the cognition, not the not the insecurity. You address the underlying cause. I feel like I'm not ready to do this, uh, to take this test or to do this interview. I don't feel like I'm strong enough to protect my family. I don't, I don't feel like I'm making enough money to do this. That that's where the actual insecurity comes from. And the unfortunate part is people don't see our fear and anxiety and all that stuff. All they see is the cognition. They only see the insecurity and it's very unattractive and it's off putting and you can read it right on somebody's fucking face. You know what I mean? And it, and it's not the kind of thing that inspires confidence. So if you're a man in a relationship with a family, uh, it's just like being the president. Like your job is to project strength and confidence. That's your job, right? Aside from provide and protect, that's your, that's your core job. So th- these are lessons that you don't have to have been to war for them to be uh, relevant to you. And I think it's really good to have conversations like this. So people know about it um, because you can use it in your own life that that's just being able to understand how the process works. Now you feel insecure and you're like, Oh, why am I feeling insecure about this? That dude's got more of something than I have. Cool. Well, I can't change that. I'm just going to go get more of it or whatever else, or, or, or find, yeah. find my, where, where, where I'm better. You know what I mean? And then lean into that. That's what you should do. Instead, we just typically, we just sit with our insecurity and become bitter.
1: Yeah, because, well, that's like we talked about earlier. That's the comfortable thing to do, Mm -hmm. right? It's, okay, I'm going to sit in this and wallow in my misery. uh, And I don't want to like, you know, go, go and try and find another route to make this better because that's uncomfortable to me because you're insecure. And that's where we come back to people need to get used to being, getting comfortable being uncomfortable to better themselves, uh, you know, and again, that's, you know, easier said than done, but mm-hmm. it's, it's like, there's little practices that people can do. And it's even, you know, like I said, you know, working out is one thing. I'm always like, you know, I bring these people over to my garage and I'm like, Hey, we're going to do, I'll write it out for them. And it's a dick dragger and they look at it and they're like, dude, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, there's no time limit. I'm like, but you will get all this done. It will get done within the next hour. Mm. And sure enough, you know, they suffer through it, but at the end, it's always the same thing. They're like, dude, I, I feel like a hundred bucks because Mm. I pushed myself past the limit that I didn't think I was going to be able to do. And that's just one example. That's just working out. You can use that same attitude in every other aspect of your life, you know, um, you know, perfect example for me is. The most uncomfortable thing for me to do was doing what i'm doing now which is talking to you on the mm. podcast when i got i was like dude i don't want any part of this i don't want to be talking to anybody and it wasn't because i hated it it's because i was uncomfortable i was like and i had my own insecurities mm. and i'm like well i don't want to be judged i don't want to you know i'm say the wrong thing or if i look stupid or whatever um you know my how are my peers gonna look at me I've learned to like, you just let that all go and you're like, dude, just be yourself. Um, and you will keep, you will grow as a human being if you just continue to be yourself and face those, those things that are those obstacles that are put in your way, or they're not even looking at them as obstacles. They're, they're just, um, um, things that are put there to help you grow. Mm. And, you know, I, I don't know. It's like you said, people have, they have a hard time doing that and it's, it's really hard to be you know, we can sit there and talk about this. And it's the same, like with resilience, you know, people give classes on resilience. I'm like, well, you can't really teach resilience unless you go out there and practice it mm-hmm. and put
0: yourself through situations where you can actually build on. It.
1: Yeah, there's no book um, you
0: can read to teach you resilience. That's not a thing. No, no, you have to put yourself out mm-hmm. there. Yeah, and I think that, uh, that shame thing you mentioned before, I think is really important. I think that's one that, ve- any combat veteran is going to probably have an experience with that. And I think it needs to be addressed, uh, uh, immediately. That, that would be one of the first things if I were, uh, somebody listening to this, that would be one of the first things that I would address. And I think we've all felt it and it's hard to kind of contextualize it. I, I'm not even sure I would call it shame really. It's, um, cause I'm not ashamed of anything I did. Right. But no, I, I am, but we- at the time I was very anxious and concerned um about how people who didn't have my experience might feel about me if they knew what I did if that makes sense you know what I mean it's like you've got this oh, yeah. vision of me like you understand generally speaking what it means to be a protector but you haven't seen me when shit hits the fan right it's a different human being out there just tearing people to pieces and, and feeling nothing you know what I mean and I think yeah I think that's where I think we've made a mistake people have written and written and written about this this so-called moral injury from having to be having to do crazy things in combat and i don't think it's that's what it is at all i think it's about our self-image and how people how we're worried that people might think we're fucking crazy if they know what yep. we were up to over there but it's not crazy it's we're ordinary people in a crazy situation that's the reality of the situation
1: oh yeah i mean that's that's the truth and you know i i had those issues as well obviously coming out with the but two years of getting smeared in the media as some psychopath and whatever else. So then when I was doing interviews, I was like, well, I can't really speak. I can't tell the truth about like, yeah, this is what we do or this is what I did. And it wasn't, you know, I'm not, it wasn't out of hate. It was my job. And you know, yeah, I've killed a lot of people, but I was afraid. I was like, well, then people are definitely going to look at me like I'm a psychopath. If I say these things, you know, and it took me a while to get over that um you know it's funny you talk about the shame the shame base and i had a good conversation with my buddies uh we were talking about you know the, the suicide rate uh among the special operators uh and he's like why do you think that's happening because i don't think anybody really has any issues of what they did overseas in combat um you know all of us wanted to do that job
0: mm-hmm.
1: and i was like well I, I was like i honestly think a big part of it is the shame factor that we face while we're in the community where you're constantly striving to be the best. You're constantly striving to like prove yourself like, Hey, I belong here on a day-to-day basis, you know, in the teams, it's like earn your trident every day. Right. It's like, you, you have to earn that on a daily basis. And then if you make one little mistake, we live. you know, especially our community is very shame based. Mm -hmm. It's like, Oh, look at this fucking idiot. He just, you could build a thousand bridges and then you mess up one thing and they're like, and that's what you're known for. And I think people have a hard time, you know, that's, that's the way we live for 20 years, at least for me. And then when you get out, you still have that to where you're like, okay, I have to be perfect. I have to be, you know, the man of the house, dude, I, I didn't, I didn't do my taxes. I didn't, you know, my wife took care of all that Mm -hmm. shit. So like when I get out, I'm, I'm watching her do these things, trying to help. And she's, you know. My wife's like, listen, I got it. You have no idea what's going on. You don't know what's going on with this and this. And that's all shame, like self-shame, because I'm like, well, then I'm not I'm not good enough. Uh, and I think that's with a lot of individuals, they go through that. They just don't want to like admit it. Sure. It's like, yeah. yeah, you know, it's, you're not expected to know how to do, operate as a normal civilian when you get out after 20 years, like, and you've got to stop putting all that pressure on yourself too just give yourself time to build up to that. Um, but I think you have to live and learn through that stuff. I mean, cause I think a lot of us are built the same.
0: Yeah. I mean, we're, we're as, as, as comfortable as we are with being uncomfortable, um, having to start over and rebuild in your forties is not the, it's not the easiest <laughs> thing to do. You know what I mean? It's kind of fucked up to be honest, to ask people to do that, but here, you know, it, it is, there is a roadmap for it now. And there's a lot of resources, mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, not from the government, the government is, is, is shit and always will be shit, but there's plenty of people out there like Amber and Marcus Capone. Um, uh, uh, Dr. Kate Pate is out there doing some good work as well. There's a lot of people out there doing good work, trying to, you know, help people get back to where they were before, because, you know, j- as is the case with any country, the greatest resource we have is our people. And yeah, if we let the, you know, the best among us fall to the wayside, because, you know, it's too hard to fix them or to bring them back. That would be a goddamn shame, frankly. And I think that would be a, Oh, I think we're seeing it and it's been a detriment to our country. Oh, for sure. And then you got to look at, so like you said, there are people out there doing the right thing,
1: but those are like the door kickers helping door kickers, mm-hmm. right? We're, we're taking care of our own um, because we know that either the leadership's not going to do anything about it or the government. So it's, I mean, I, we are doing the right thing. It just, it's a rough road. That's all. I mean, it's, or we have to constantly keep fighting to help other veterans when they get out, um, and get them on the right path.
0: Yeah. It's a good message. Um, the job's not over when you're, when you're fixed, right. You gotta, you gotta, you got two hands for a reason, one to pull yourself up and one to pull the next guy up with you. That's how it works here. Um, exactly. Bennett Look, this has been a really good conversation. I appreciate your time today. Tell everybody where they could find you. Um, on the interwebs and where they can find pipe hitter and all that stuff.
1: Yeah. So, uh, I was at Instagram, Eddie underscore Gallagher, um, I'm on there and then, uh, pipeitterfoundation.org is our nonprofit. Um, uh, check that out. Um, that has everybody that we've, we've helped or mm-hmm. we are currently helping uh, in their situations. And you can donate money to an individual or just to the pipe hitter foundation in general. Um, and then I'm also on the Eddie uh, that pretty much has everything that I'm involved in as far as, you know i teach shooting yeah. uh yeah
0: we got a couple other things going on as well sweet well everybody go check out eddie gallagher if you haven't already um thanks for coming today man i appreciate it
1: i appreciate you brother
0: yes thank sir you, man. yeah we'll see you soon and thank you all for listening this has been citizen